We've been looking for several weeks now at, at this topic of, uh, of how God wants us to view work. Instead of resenting it, I've been telling you to thank God it's Monday. Uh, some of you probably have received that more than, more than others, taken it to heart. Uh, whether you have or not, I, I, it, it, it is clear to me that scripture, uh, paints a picture of, that God cares about what we do and how we work. Your work matters to God. Uh, how you work can literally be an act of worship. And it's not just, quote, spiritual work. Uh, simply doing your best in your work is honorable to God and it's, it's uh, helpful to others. Uh, God created us to work and when we do that, we honor Him. Our theme verses have come from Colossians chapter 3 and I want us to, uh, to read that again today. Colossians 3 verses 23. And 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So remember, it's whatever you do, wherever you find yourself, what, whatever you do, it's, it's not only when I get a, a great job or only when I'm doing this part of my job, but whatever you do, you're going to put your whole heart into it. You're going to work hard. You're going to do your best. You're going to use your gifts, talents, and abilities the way God has, has, uh, has blessed you to put your heart into what you're doing because you're working for the best boss in the world, King Jesus. You're working for the king. You're representing the kingdom of God as you work. And although I've, I've heard from, from several of you over these weeks that you've appreciated this study, I'm, I'm sure there are others who have been pushing back a little bit and, and, and you're saying, you know what, that's, that's great, but uh, when are we going to wrap this thing up? We just heard that in Sunday school this morning, I guess. When are we going to wrap this whole thing up and, and, uh, and move on because this is hitting a little too close to home? I, I don't know what, but, but I don't know, there's this stuff, uh, you know, some people might say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I mean, you don't know my job. You don't, you don't know what it's like to work there. I mean, you've been singing for years maybe with Johnny Paycheck up there. Uh, you can just take, well, uh, you know what he, what he, what he said, but, uh, but, but uh, we feel toil in our work. That's the word that, that uh, scripture uses uh, back, in, back in Genesis when, when uh, um, God cursed uh, Adam and said that he would have to not just work, but he would have to toil as he worked hard to, to, to uh, cultivate the ground and to uh, to get rid of the weeds and the different things that are going to grow, all those kinds of things. And they called it toil. And many times our work feels like that, right? It feels like toil. And, and, and that's because there has been uh, a, a curse put on, on work, that sin has caused uh, these problems. And so there is going to be an element of frustration and anxiety and stress in, in your work. Uh, and add to that fact that we work with sinful people. Don't insert any names there, but um, we we work in, in a workplace. We're doing something that uh, that is going to be toilsome at times and and bring frustration and anxiety. And we're working with other people who are fallen people uh, who who aren't going to be perfect all the time. And, and so there are there are negative things in the workplace. There there's uh, there's favoritism and bullying and harassment and unfair treatment and unreasonable demands and long hours and low pay and the list could go on and on and on. And in a word, I guess, work can produce suffering uh, to, to an extent, pain and suffering. And it's, it's been that way for a long time. I mean, I was just thinking back this week, I, I thought of Moses 
and how it would have been so much easier for Moses to simply keep hanging out with the, with the sheep up there on the, uh, on the side of the mountain. He was making a decent living. It was low stress. But then God called him to a stress-producing, dangerous, frustrating work of leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. And it took, uh, literally took his life by the time it was over. I mean, herding cats would have been easier than leading these people from Egypt uh, to the Promised Land. Moses was frustrated and irritated and depleted and fatigued, and that was before breakfast most mornings. I mean, if you read through Exodus and Leviticus and, and Numbers and Deuteronomy and all of that, where uh, it... I mean, he hashtag my worst job, probably, leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. He probably hearkened back to those days of uh, either in the palace in, uh, in Egypt or uh, on, the, on the side of a hill leading a few sheep around. I thought about Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He had a high-profile church job. Uh, he was enforcing the rules and regulations, and and uh, people knew who Paul was. They actually feared who Paul was, and, uh, and and then he was called to be a missionary. And that sounds sounds benign enough until uh, until we read the book of Acts and we read some of his letters that he wrote. And and I won't go through the whole list, but Paul was was beaten and stoned and left for dead, and he battled insomnia and anxiety and hunger, and he was uh, uh, involved in a couple of shipwrecks and there are a whole lot of other things. I mean, the next time you're having a rough day at work, read Second Corinthians, the last part of Second Corinthians 11. There's a whole list of it. I, I mean... That'd be hashtag my worst job. Uh, it, Paul could have just hung around in the church and been just fine, but he went through all of that. Uh, work was not exactly this woo glorifying thing. So I don't want you to think for a minute that I'm that I'm saying that that work should be just this simple stress-free life of of rainbow sunshine and unicorns. That's that's not what the series has has been about. Even for the most holy of you, work is going to be hard. There is sin in the world and there's sin in the workplace. And I'm sure that by this point you're going, I'm glad I came to church today. This has been so encouraging, right? How, do, how does knowing all of that then inform how we approach our work? Uh, I, I think most of all, the way that we respond as, as God's people, as, as uh, part of the family of God, uh, God's children, the way that we respond to the inevitable difficulty and suffering at work is a witness to God and to his kingdom. Last week, we looked at length about sharing our faith at work and providing a, the, the, the way that that provides a, a platform for the gospel uh, and how we work provides a platform for the gospel. If you're in a difficult work environment, how you handle that difficult work environment could be a witness to those around you. Maybe too often, we pray for a new job. We pray for a better job. We pray to get out. Maybe instead, I'm just, just throwing it out there, maybe instead we should pray for the courage to represent Christ well in the place where he has put us for this season. Maybe you're there to learn. Maybe you're there to grow yourself. Maybe you're there to, uh, to, to, to serve others. Maybe you're there, as we said last week, to shine your light in a dark place. Uh, Dr. Dan Boone, president of Treveca Nazarene University, says this, our walk with God affords us wisdom from the scriptures, friends in the faith, and guidance from prayers to know how and when to respond to what he calls evil in the workplace. 
In other words, we are equipped to handle uh, hard times in the world. Yes, there's going to be difficulty. Yes, work has been cursed. Yes, sometimes it feels like toil and pain and stress and frustration. But we have been equipped with wisdom from the scriptures and, and friends in the faith and, and guidance through our prayers, our connection with God. We've been equipped to, uh, to, to, to handle that well. Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses, I think, gives us some guidance in this as well. Uh, when we find ourselves in the midst of difficulty at work, uh, it says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Could we insert in there, I think it's, it's fair to say that uh, our job, our employment, what we're doing, how we're working uh, is part of the, if not most of, the race that has been marked out for us at this point of time in our lives. Maybe you're a student, maybe you're retired, uh, maybe you're uh, working nine to five. Man, what a way to make a living. Uh, but may, maybe you're, maybe you're, wherever you find yourself in there, it's part of the race that's been marked out for you, that, that, that God has, has, has laid this out in front of you. And so for right now, in this moment, at this time, it's been laid out for you. So how do we handle that? What does it say to do? Run with perseverance. Persevere. Uh, maybe another word to put it, hang in there. Although perseverance is more than just hanging in there, it's like hanging in there with purpose, right? That, uh, that I'm persevering because God might actually have a purpose in this. Well, how do I do that? I mean, I'm, I've, I've uh, run a few races uh, over time, and there are times when you just hit that wall and you're just like, I don't know, I can't. It, it's really hard to run with perseverance. Sometimes you just feel like giving up, walking, going home, whatever the case might be. How do you run with person? Well, I, I know uh, that uh, that in in physical running, it you need to eat right, you need to make sure you're well hydrated, you need to have trained a long time, all those kinds of things. And so I, I try to set myself up for success so that I can persevere. How do we do that in the workplace? How can we run the race marked out for us with perseverance? Well, it says it right there: fix your eyes on Jesus. Another way to say that, maybe stay connected to Jesus. Your faith in Jesus and his sacrifice for you is so much more lasting and significant than the issues that you might be facing in the workplace or at school or wherever you find yourself. Consider Jesus' job for a minute. I mean, Jesus was God, decided that he would not cling to that, but he became a baby, not just human, but literally a baby without any, with many, many limitations. Grew up, served, ministered, we know the story. Jesus' job probably could be, if we're looking at it in one way, I mean, my worst job ever, Right? Difficulty in the workplace, we could say, right? I mean, instead of, of, of jumping ship or calling it quits, he endured, he pers- persevered, even when sinful people opposed him, uh, even when uh, the people around him were, were, uh, were causing problems, even when people were just letting him down, and, and even when there was opposition left and right. And Jesus persevered, and this says, consider Jesus. Fix your eyes on, 
Jesus. So, so when the boss is unreasonable or the deck seems stacked against you or there's frustration or irritation, maybe you need to stay right where you are and stick it out. Maybe you need to persevere. Maybe you need to work nine to five. Maybe it feels like you owe your soul to the company store. Go ahead and keep singing the working man's blues. But in the middle of all that, focus on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider what good he might be able to do through you. Right there for this season where he's placed you. Perseverance isn't talked about a lot these days. It's, it's, at least it's not very common. Um, we seem to have so many options. And when the going gets tough, we choose a different option. And we, it, it's not as common to stick it out, to persevere. I guess if you find yourself in a difficult work environment, I would challenge you and throw it out there, consider perseverance. Part of that means consider Jesus. Consider, fix your eyes on Jesus. What he might want you to do through you, how he might want to grow you and change you, how he might want to use you in the lives of others in that place for this time. All that being said, there may come a time. There will probably, there will always be a time when your job will end, right? Whether you retire or you find another job, uh, or, uh, someone, uh, your boss tells you you're going to find another, another job. Uh, wh- whatever the case might be, there, the, your job is a temporary thing. And so, uh, I want to talk a little bit today, too, about how to sense God's direction and, and leadership in looking for a, a, a new job. Finding a new job. So some of you might find yourself in that season right now. Uh, uh, if, if not, you probably will at some point. I don't know if you realize it or not, but it is a relatively new concept to find or choose a job. For most of human history, people work to survive. Uh, you worked because you weren't going to eat if you didn't. Uh, you, you worked because, uh, you needed to protect yourself, uh, from the, and, and you, it wouldn't matter whether you were able to eat or not because something, something or someone would come in and, uh, for most of human history, people worked to survive. Much of work was simply providing for daily needs for yourself and for your family. Um, or you ended up doing what your parents did. And so it was just kind of a, a family thing. It was how you contributed to the community. You were the Smiths, right? Or the Bakers, or the Carpenters. There, you know, there's a reason why we have those last names, right? Because those were the folks that were, that were part, and that's just what you did. Uh, and that's just kind of how things worked. But now most of us will change jobs several times through our adult lives. Uh, my father's experience of, of, of graduating, taking a job, and retiring from the same company 35 years later is very rare these days. Uh, the, the statistics are kind of mind-blowing, and, and uh, I didn't make them up. I've just uh, heard them and, and looked them up. Uh, the average person will change jobs 10 to 12 times in their working life. Seems like a lot. Some would even bring that up to about 15 times in their working life. Some statistics show that uh, on average, uh, before uh, uh, someone uh, reaches the age of 32, they will have had at least four different jobs. 
And, and many people don't just change jobs, but they change careers. They take a whole, uh, whole shift and go somewhere else. And, and statistics say that happens five to seven times across your, your career, across your working life. So uh, uh, it's, it's not very common to stick at one job and, and keep on going. And that's due to a bunch of factors. And if I was a sociologist, I'd be able to tell you and show you charts and graphs and talk about specialization and a highly mobile society and, and increased education. And there's competition and downsizing and the technological advances that have changed everything and fluctuations in the economy and, and all those kinds of things. Or I think at times it's just a, a desire to, um, to have more adventure or to just change things up. Uh, or, or just, you know, uh, look for new experiences or more money or whatever the case might be. Whatever the reasons, from time to time, we'll find ourselves looking for new employment, seeking out the next thing that we should do. Where should we work? What should we do with our lives? Uh, what do I want to be when I grow up? Um, how do we navigate that? So remember, as, as we, uh, as we kind of dive into that conversation, remember that God cares about your work. So that's an important thing to, to, to recognize, that when you're shifting jobs, it's not just, this is all up to me, but God cares about your work. So matter, no matter what you do, God wants you to please Him. So, so any conversation about finding work has to start with Him. Uh, there's, there's a great illustration, just a real simple thing. I didn't uh, make it up, but it's, it's real simple, and I think it helps us today. You've got that triangle there on your, on your paper. Let's go ahead and put it up on the, up on the screen. So this is uh, kind of your considerations things that you need to consider uh, in, uh, in, in walking through options you might have in seeking new employment or seeking a, seeking a new job, seeking something uh, to do with your life. Uh, the, the foundation, we start at the bottom of the pyramid and work up, and it starts with God, and then it goes to others and then to yourself. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit. Obeying and loving God has to be our foundation. It's the only thing that is, is strong enough to hold the weight of our lives. Jesus said the most important thing we can do is to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And that includes, if you think about that list, all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, sometimes we just spiritualize that and it's, oh, that's just how I feel about God. Uh, I mean, your, your mind and your strength, those are primarily what we use when we're working, right? And, and so we're loving God with our work, all of our, all of ourselves, including what we do. So as you're considering a new position, ask, does this job glorify God? That's the first question. Does this job glorify God? Pretty simple, pretty basic, and maybe you're already past that by now. Maybe you're thinking, of course I would ask that. Um, basically, you're saying, is what I would be doing in this job honoring to the Lord, or does it disobey Him and His Word? Uh, of course, uh, you need to exclude any line of work that goes against the, uh, the commands of Scripture. Uh, the things that would be inherently sinful. You don't need to spend a lot of time praying through whether you should take that job as a hitman or a drug dealer or a porn star. I mean, you, you, you don't need to pray through on those things. It's already very clear in Scripture. Uh, it, it, I know it's not always that cut and dry to, to, to see that. And, and, and as we uh, interpret Scripture and look at Scripture, some, some folks, uh, maybe there's, uh, there's some things that are, well, okay, uh, but maybe I would say maybe they're not okay, whatever the case might be. But, but uh, it's not always that cut and dry. But from, from studying Scripture, what does the Bible say? What are the principles of Scripture? What are my personal convictions that God has laid on my heart? I will do this. I won't do that. Um, all those kinds of things. Does it glorify God? Because I'm not diving in just because it makes good money for right now. 
Does it glorify God? Part of that question, it's still at the bottom of the uh, the pyramid, at the foundation there. Part of that also involves asking if the job allows me to live a godly life. That's a little bit different. Uh, some jobs might be morally fine, but they demand so much of me, my time, my attention, uh, my, uh, my, my mental capacity, uh, whatever the case might be, they might demand so much of me that I would have to neglect other areas of my life that I feel like God has called me to. So consider uh, how working at this new position, maybe, uh, or working, changing uh, position somewhere, consider how that would affect your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your kids or other relationships in your life. How, how would that affect that? How would that affect your ministries at church? Uh, how would that affect your, your ministry and involvement in your community? How would that affect your personal time with God, uh, your time with his word, your time with, with God's people? If the job will cause harm to your relationship with God and would cause harm to the other responsibilities that he's given you, it's probably not the right choice. Now, in, in saying all of this, I think this is also some way to consider our current position, right? I said persevere, hang in there, but if it goes against some of these things right off the bat, then, then seek God's direction on where he might relocate you somewhere as well. So, so we start on the, uh, the, the bottom of that pyramid, and does it glorify God, and does it allow my life then, uh, in work and out of work, how does, does it allow me to glorify God? Uh, working away up the pyramid, then the, the middle part there, the next step, is to consider how that job might help me serve others. Jesus said, uh, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment, almost on the same line, is love your neighbor as yourself. Love others Show love to others, serve them. It's the second greatest commandment. So consider how you can serve others in, in your new position. So uh, one, one question to ask then in that is, how does this job benefit society? And you might say, well, making widgets at such and such a place, I don't know that that benefits society. Or, um, uh, you know, doing this or that, how does that benefit? Well, this is more than just I'm going to work for a ministry or, or do this work at this nonprofit thing or, or whatever. This, as, as I said last week, you, you're working with all of your heart. Uh, it can be an act of worship, whether it's a spiritual job or not. And, and this whole idea of benefiting society, uh, we, we saw a video a couple weeks ago, I think, about you know uh, someone prays for, uh, well, Martin Luther, uh, uh, a quote from Martin Luther, someone prays for, God's, uh, to, for God to supply our daily bread. Well, that involves several different people in our culture today, from the uh, the, the person who raises the uh, ingredients that go into that bread to the person that bakes the bread to the person that drives it to the store and puts it on the shelf and the store that sells it. All that God is using each one. How does your job benefit society? One thing to consider: who benefited? Uh, who who benefited society more? In who has benefited society more in their life's work? Uh, Mother Teresa or Bill Gates? We could probably put arguments for both of them without denigrating the other one. Uh, we initially we would say, "Oh, it's got to be Mother Teresa. She gave, gave all this and did all that." Well, th- think about all of the implications of someone like a Bill Gates who has who has brought innovation and and uh, and employed uh, many 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 people and and provided uh, finances in the economy and all. Anyway, we could we could uh, we could look into all those uh, all those issues. How does this job benefit society? And again, I'm not just saying uh, that. That it has to be this this big uh, 
Christian uh, ministry. It's how does it benefit society? How does it help others? How does it serve others? There might not be a clear-cut answer in all of that, but it, we need to consider that. We need to wrestle with that. We need, well, how, can, how am I serving others as I'm, as I'm doing this job? And one other thing to consider, maybe this will surprise you, um, part of thinking about others is considering what the job pays. Does it pay enough to provide for your family and enable you to be a blessing to others uh, with, uh, with, with the finances that God blesses you with through this position? It is okay to consider the pay package. <laughs> uh, it's actually in the Bible. I'm not just making that up. First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 is one place where it says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So it is unholy to not consider the salary and the benefits of the position that, uh, that, that you're, that you're uh, looking at. If, uh, if you choose a job that uses your gifts but doesn't pay enough to allow you to be obedient to God and to bless others and to provide the basics for your family, then it's probably not the right thing. I mean, there's a whole other conversation. There's a whole other sermon, probably a whole other series uh, on uh, the, the the basics of making sure that my lifestyle uh, is is not overextending myself, that I'm not uh, up to my eyeballs in debt, and I've I've overextended here and overextended there, and now I have to get this job that provides all of this because I've I've done all. There's there's a whole other conversation there, but but as you uh, assuming that you are you are walking in faith with God and He is providing for your needs, we it, it's okay to consider. And it's part of Helping others, looking to see how this would benefit others. Uh, does this allow me to be a blessing to others through my giving? Does this allow me to give to the church, to give uh, uh, to God through the church and through other ministries? Does it allow me to do that? Does it, uh, or would I be pulling back on that? Uh, does it allow me to provide basic needs for those around, not just myself, but for those uh, that God has blessed me with? These are things that are okay to consider, that should be considered. And so, so we make our way up the, the, uh, the, the pyramid. The top, obviously, is uh, considering uh, ourself. Now, it's not at the top because it's most important. It's at the top because it's last. <laughs> and you notice it's smallest. Of course, it's important to do, and we need to consider that, but, but it's not the most important thing to do. A question to ask, does this job take advantage of my gifts and talents? I, I say that, and I, and I think that's important, but this can also get a little bit tricky too. So on the one hand, uh, you have been created by God with gifts and abilities, and many times God places us in positions to do good work within our giftedness. So he's, he's made us this way, and, and we enjoy this, and, and we're good at this, and so, so we find a position, those are where we gravitate to, and that's, that's great. That's, that's in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there, uh, in, in Exodus, a great, great story of, of, um, God uh, directing his people to build the tabernacle. And, uh, of course, the, they had to make all this stuff. They couldn't just go down to Walmart and buy a, a golden bowl and, uh, and a curtain to hang up and a, and a gold box to, and call it the Ark of the Covenant. They had to make all these things. And so the people brought their jewelry and they melted them down and they did all that. And, and, and God literally, several different times, these, fo- these people are mentioned by name, Bezalel and Aholiab. Bezalel's the main guy, Aholiab was his helper, and then they had several other art, uh, artisans, craftsmen, who built these things. And Scripture specifically says that God gifted them specifically for those tasks. They were gifted with those, with those talents and abilities in order to do good things with their hands. Moses wasn't going to do that because he wasn't any good at it. 
But these folks were gifted at that. And so, so uh, God uh, raised them up that he, he, God would be honored through this work that he had gifted them to do. Uh, there are probably many examples. I think of, uh, of Joseph, who was a, a gifted leader in the, in the Old Testament, helped the people of the, the entire Middle East region during a drought uh, as, as he was a leader in Egypt and how God had orchestrated all of that and God had given him gifts and talents and abilities to, 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 to work all that out and to be this leader second in command in Egypt for years. Think of Daniel, who was uh, led into exile, and yet he was this, uh, this leader, uh, young man uh, that, uh, that, that earned favor in the sight of the king and worked in this foreign land and yet worked with his gifting uh, to, as he honored God, he was, he was uh, doing good work in the, in the, in the palace. This is extremely popular these days in, in business and leadership circles, strengths-based leadership uh, and how we need to work out of our strengths and emphasizing the importance of, uh, of finding what your top strengths are and, uh, and, and, and uh, then working in those things and finding other people then with the, when you fi- figure out what your deficits are, you pull other people in that might have those as strengths and together you make a, a great team and accomplish great things and, and that's, a, that's not a bad thing to do. It's important to consider that God uh, many times places us in jobs that line up perfectly with those gifts and talents that he's given us. Uh, it, it makes sense. We can thrive there. And I've told you uh, over and over again, uh, um, Rick Warren has this, this acrostic, uh, your shape, S-H-A-P-E, and, and how as we consider our spiritual gifts and our heart or our passions, as we consider our abilities and our personality and our experiences, those, those, uh, those five things, we put those things together and we say, hey, this might just be how God has made me and, and this is then how he's going to use me, uh, in life, in my job, uh, those, those, it makes sense. So, so how does this job take advantage of my gifts and talents? But there's, there's a little, I don't know, an asterisk or something there too, because that's still not always the case, right? Actually, in the Bible, it seems like there are more examples of God using people, uh, stretching them beyond their giftedness, or, or taking them and sending them off in a new course that they never, never would, have, would have chosen for themselves. Moses was not a gifted public speaker, and he was not much of a leader. Uh, he had anger issues. Uh, we, we talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Uh, Peter was a fisherman, not a preacher. Gideon was a wimp, not a warrior, hiding from, the, from, from the, what was going on. God sometimes puts us in places to stretch us so that he gets the glory. I think it's in 1 Corinthians, um, uh, the, the first chapter, where it talks, talks about God taking the, 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 the low things, the, uh, the weak things of this world to, uh, to, to work through those things so that he receives the glory. So, so that has to enter in the conversation here somewhere. I mean, it's not just, oh, I made this way and this is, this is my strength, so I'm going to work in this. Uh, it means that we're going to seek God's direction and many times maybe most of the time, that leading will line up with your gifts and talents and abilities. But, but know that it doesn't always work that way. Uh, I guess I, I think this works best uh, in hindsight. And maybe you find yourself in this position, then here, and then over here, and then over here, and then over here. And you kind of look back and you say, you know what, there's this thread of, yeah, this is who I am, and this is how God used me there, and this is how God used But there's this thread of how God used me along the way. So, so, so think about your gifts and talents and ability. And something else to consider as we're at the top of this pyramid is, is uh, am I going to find fulfillment in, in this work? Is, is this work going to bring me joy? 
I mean, it's, it, it's nice to have a job that you enjoy, right? Uh, you don't want to go to work every day and, and uh, you know, feel that, that uh, strain and stress and anxiety and toil and all those things. It's, and, and again, this is not the first thing to consider. It's at, the, it's at the point of the pyramid. It's not at the base of the pyramid. You're not going to base everything on that. Yet many times, this is where we start, right? Am I, we look through the one ads or we think about, well, am I going to like this? Boy, it would be nice to do... It's something to consider, but it's not what we consider first. With that being said, I'm convinced that God is not going to call you to something that you hate. I've told you before my experience from time when I was in college, and, and I was scared to death because I was convinced that God was going to call me to the mission field, and I didn't want to go to the mission field. I mean, you have to get shots when you go to the mission field. <laughs> and you have to eat bugs. You can't kill them, right? You got to, like, like, I guess you kill them and eat them, or you, like, just guard against them. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a, yeah, yeah, missions. No way. Come on. But I was convinced that if God was going to get all of me, he wanted to just get me. And so he was going to make me miserable if it was the last thing. And so you've got to go do, uh, go get. And it took a uh, conversation with a wise missionary uh, as I said, ah, yeah, I might be. I mean, I'm called to ministry and might be missions, and, and he, he through that conversation and interview and discussion, uh, basically he told me, probably not his, his exact words, but he told me, God is not going to call you to something that you hate. There are times when God massages our desires and our thoughts, and, our, and, and so over time, as he calls us here, we align ourselves with him, and it, it becomes something that we love instead of something that we resist. But God desires our joy and fulfillment. I have come, John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Abundant, vital, uh, vibrant life. That includes our work. So it's something to consider. What am I going to enjoy? What am I going to find fulfillment in? Funny thing about a pyramid, though. Go ahead to that next one, Kevin. What happens when you turn a pyramid over? Thunk, thunk, right? Doesn't, doesn't work very well. It's a top. I guess we could, that's, it's a dreidel, right? That's what a pyramid is upside down. A lot of times we try to do this though, right? When we're looking for, well, whatever decision that we're making. But in this case, as we're looking for, uh, for a job or what God wants us to do next, a lot of times we think about, we make a pros and cons list. Well, how is this going to benefit me? And how is that going to benefit me? And, and, uh, oh, this would be good for me. And this would be bad for me. And, and we consider, uh, well, is this going to bring fulfillment? Well, I like this. Uh, and then maybe we consider the pay package. And then at the end, we might say, oh, and God, if this is wrong, shut the door. That's an okay prayer to pray it somewhere along the way in that, in that process, but I hope that we spend a whole lot more time on the, the foundation of the pyramid being, does this glorify God and does this allow me through my life to glorify God? Uh, how to glorify God through our lives, to consider the, uh, the, the bottom of the pyramid first, to consider how not just my work, but, but my entire life, how I can, I can be uh, a traitor, not a traitor, uh, as in... Uh, uh, going against the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the government, trader as in trading. Maybe consider our, our employment, our, our life's work, our impact. It's, it's not just about where we're going to collect a paycheck or how we're going to provide the money for our next thing that we think we need, but maybe we need to trade in what, uh, what we might think is most important for what God thinks is important.
So are you making choices with your time and your money and your passions and your pursuits, your abilities? Are you making choices that are kingdom-focused and not just self-focused? And how does that impact your approach to work? Sure, work can be toilsome and stressful and full of anxiety and uh, err. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider kingdom things. Put God at the base of your life. Found everything on him. Don't become weary and lose heart. Run the race with perseverance. The race that has been marked out for you. Hang in there. Follow God's lead. Father God, we go from this place uh, to our to our community, to our homes, many of us to our jobs in the next day or so. Lord, we want to please and honor you through that. Lord, we know that there is, uh, there is stress and anxiety and pain and suffering associated with, uh, with the things that we do in this life at times. Lord, I pray that you will... You will take your word and help us to apply it to our lives, that we can put our our foundation on you. Lord, for for some of us, that might mean hanging in there and persevering through difficult times and representing you well through those times. For some, that might mean that you have something else in store for us and, and we want to follow your lead. Ultimately, Lord, we want to make an eternal, we want you to make an eternal impact through us. And so, Lord, I pray that you will put your finger on the things in our lives that may need to be uh, tweaked or changed so that that can take place, so that you will be honored and magnified through the, through the time, the limited time and the limited resources and the limited gifts and talents that you've given to us, that you can make an eternal impact. Lord, we give you, ourselves to you today and we ask for your direction in the lives that we lead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.